You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. Win Win, an entrepreneurial community. I am your host, Ben Wolf. Uh, we're going to learn from our guest today how to go about solving one of the most persistent problems that businesses face, which holds them back, uh, and that is documenting their core processes and having those processes follow all. Um, I do ask everybody, as always, to please uh, subscribe, follow, and uh, please do leave a review because obviously that'll make it so that you will get notified when we have new episodes and share new value, and it will also make the show come up higher in the search results and make this value more accessible to other people as well. So please do subscribe, follow, leave a review uh, wherever you're listening, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, whatever it happens to be. And uh, then hopefully more people can be enriched by that. And uh, without further ado, I want to go about uh, beginning to introduce our guest today, uh, who is a um, certified EOS implementer based out of the Phoenix, Arizona area. Uh, he is the co-creator of, uh, of a line of business or a business called the Process Optimizer. Uh, and that business, that methodology, uh, where he helps uh, companies across the country and across the world in, in, in uh, documenting and creating processes that can be followed by all. Uh, he's a uh, over 15-year veteran of both YPO, I think that stands for Young Professionals Organization, and EO, Entrepreneurs Organization. Um, you can find out more about his work, at, at, you know, both as an EOS implementer, certified EOS implementer, as well as through his work, through, through himself and, and others who provide uh, that uh, process development services to their clients, uh, which is called the Process Optimizer. You can find out information about both of those at thetractionhub.com. That's thetractionhub.com. And without further ado, I give you Michael Erath. Uh, how are you, Michael? Doing well. Did I, did I pronounce so your name? Is it Erath? Erath? How, how's your name pronounced? Uh, you, you got E-Rath. it. Okay, E-Rath. good. I probably should have covered that before the show, so you didn't have to do that on the recording. But uh, thank you very much. No thank you. Um, and uh, so, with that, let's uh, let's get right into what we wanted to talk about. So, first of all, um, I, I think one thing that's going to be helpful is understanding how you got to where you are now. How you got to? Uh, I know you have a uh, a significant lean. Uh, consulting background. Uh, so, you know, I'd love to hear, I guess, well, partly how how you came to that, what your history is with that. And I guess just, a, you know, just a brief version of the story of, of how you got uh, how you got to where you are today and what you're doing now. Yeah, sure. And I appreciate that. Um, so my background, really, I grew up in a family manufacturing business. Uh, we were based in North Carolina uh, with a manufacturing facility in Virginia. And we manufactured hardwood veneer for the furniture, kitchen cabinet, door, and panel mm-hmm. industries. And my father was, was in his mid-40s when I was born, so I was, I was, uh, he was an older father at that time. And as I was getting out of college, he was transitioning into semi-retirement. And so in my late 20s, I took over that, that family business. Um, and as I was growing that, I also started another business. I decided to get into a vertically integrated model. And together with a partner, I established a trading company, in essence, that bought and sold hardwood logs, primarily uh, lower grade logs for lumber, flooring, okay. things like that. But we also bought higher grade veneer logs. And so as we, as we begin to kind of intertwine and grow those two separate businesses, um, over about a 12-year period, we grew 
to a total of 45 million in revenue, had over 200 employees, wow. and the businesses were very, uh, very intertwined. We had the same banking relationships. Um, the family manufacturing business I ended up owning uh, as a sole owner. The trading company I owned in a partnership uh, together with, with one other individual. Uh, and over the time of our partnership, we had become best friends. Uh, we vacationed together with our spouses. Wow. I was his son's godfather. And as we led into, as the businesses moved into the uh, recession in 2008, 2009, uh -huh. when things started to really kind of plummet in terms of revenue, the housing market collapsing in late 2008, I actually discovered or uncovered that my partner in the trading company had not only been embezzling to the tune of about half a million oh dollars gosh. over the prior 18 months, but he had also been committing bank fraud. So the, the trading yes. company, um, of which he was the managing director and I was more of a passive owner, um, was submitting borrowing-based calculations to the bank for our line of credit. And when revenue started to drop, traditionally as our receivables would drop, so would our availability under the line. And in order for him to continue embezzling what he was and running personal things through the company the Jeez. way that he was and hiding those, he needed to maintain liquidity, so he started actually falsifying invoices and converting inventory to receivables and reporting that on these borrowing-based certificates that he was signing. And so when we discovered that, we had, a, we had an obligation to immediately report that to the bank, and we had hired, uh, as soon as I discovered this, hired a white-collar crimes investigator that was a retired FBI oh my gosh. forensic accountant. And he came in and within about two days had, had verified what we, what we had uncovered. Uh, we went to the U.S. Attorney's Office and I spent the next four years working with the U.S. Attorney's Office uh, and our bank mm -hmm. to see my former partner prosecuted. He, uh, he ultimately served two years in federal prison mm -hmm. uh, for that and pleaded guilty on two counts of fraud. But That's not <clears> what you signed up for. The tragedy was that the... I said that's I'm sorry? not what you signed up for. Not, not exactly, but the, you know, the, the tragedy in that was that our family business, I was second generation, it was 42 years old at the time, um, because the two businesses banked with the same mm -hmm. lender and we had this event happen on one of the sides, the lender immediately pulled access to capital for mm -hmm. all, all of the companies and it forced me into a position where given the economy at that state, um, I had to take our manufacturing business through an orderly liquidation, and I was able to negotiate with the with the workout group at the bank to give me enough runway. I had about 18 months to unwind the business outside of bankruptcy and maximize value of the assets, because if it had gone to bankruptcy in the middle of that right. recession, um, they, they would have gotten nothing right. for the assets. And so, in hindsight, it worked out actually going through that process. I was able to execute it well. I got the bank made whole, got all of our creditors made whole, and I took mm -hmm. the haircut. So by doing that, my credit was intact, and I was able to move on and restart a new business, stayed in the same industry, uh, but moved to Ohio and started working with a contract manufacturer in Ohio since I had lost our manufacturing right. facility. Kept a few key employees. And as I was starting that business uh, in late 2010, I had transitioned from Young President's organization to Entrepreneur's Organization mm -hmm. to EO uh, as a result of, <clears throat> excuse me, just uh, our, our delta, our change in revenue numbers. 
And the chapter that I was in in Columbus, Ohio, had an event for companies that were using EOS and for companies that were curious okay. about it. And so I attended the event and was given a copy of the book Traction, um, read that, fell in love with it, and felt like really for the, for the first time, all of the things I've read over the last 20 years or so, um, you know, all of the great, great business book content that was out there, somebody had really boiled that down into a simple system and a process that made it manageable and something that could be. And, and why were you and uh, why were you receptive to that at that particular time? Like, what what was what were you or the business going through that you felt you needed that? Whatever EOS was offering. Well, you know, coming out of everything that I had been through over the the couple of years I spent unwinding the the family business and going from a position where I felt very successful to feeling like I had had, had everything just crumble around me and, and <laughs> right. failed. Going back through the startup process, um, I realized that there was there was quite a lot in the way of systemization, um, better measurables and data, <clears throat> and really process that I just did not have in place in my prior companies. All of which I felt at the time, had I had it, would have really smoked things out earlier. And uh -huh. so, as I read Traction and started thinking about this idea of really implementing an organizational operating system, um, I, it became very clear to me that had I had something like this several years earlier, the likelihood of going through what I had to go through would have been, been significantly well, how, I mean, reduced. since there was intentional fraud have. in that situation, how could you, how could, I guess, what, how could mm -hmm. the EOS process have potentially brought that to the uh, fore or prevented that, or, you know, brought it to the fore earlier? Great questions. Sure. So a couple of things. First of all, I think a stronger data component would have had me more in tune with certain things that were off track um, mm -hmm. much earlier. Part of what I, what I explained, I, so I actually wrote a book about this, this whole journey that I went through in Lessons Learned called Rise, the Reincarnation of an Entrepreneur. Uh, I wrote that in 2017. And one of the things that I talk about um, in there is that we had a situation where the controller in the trading company was a female that we discovered my partner was having an affair with. Um, there were two sets of books for at least uh, 12 to 14 months before everything imploded. And I feel like having a really strong uh -huh. data component would have made it much more difficult, if not impossible, for some of those things to be going right. on without, without it being obvious. Um, we also did not have absent a monthly financial meeting and a, and a quarterly strategic meeting. We had no regular weekly meeting uh -huh. cadence um, to really question and smoke things out uh, and bring up and solve issues on a very short-term basis. So I feel like a lot of the disciplines and, and systems that are part of EOS as an organizational operating system would have created more checks and balances and more control than what I had, even though the business was 45 million and, and, and over 200 right. employees. Like a lot of the companies I work with now, I realized that we were very successful in spite uh -huh. of ourselves. And it was a lot of those weaknesses uh, in terms of not having foundational things in place that kind of exposed or, or left, left me exposed, left the companies exposed 
in a way that wasn't necessary. And so that was really the lure to me of an organizational operating system, and EOS specifically is the one that I chose. Well, that, okay, well that's, that's super interesting, and obviously I'm sorry, and anybody who I'm sure hears your story or reads your book, Rise, uh, would, would uh, regret that somebody has to go through that, and, and, uh, but it, it sounds like you learned a lot from it, and I'm sure you're hopefully using that to, you know, as a teaching method with your own EOS clients to... Uh, you know, to, to you know, to, to be able to teach in a way that's much more powerful with that story than than just the, the facts and the system by itself. Right, and you know, coming out of that, really, so I ran uh, my new startup business on EOS for uh, about four and a half mm -hmm. years, and after our first full year of using EOS, we were so focused on fixing things internally that. Our top line revenue only grew 4% in that mm -hmm. first year, but our gross margin grew by 79%. Oh. And, that, and that positioned us to then really pour gas on the revenue generation. Um, by 2015, we had made the Inc. 5,000 um, and got to the point that my leadership team really ran the day-to-day -day and created a significant amount of what I call entrepreneurial freedom for me. And in that, I really began searching for my purpose and what I really discovered was that as I transitioned into what I consider kind of the second half of my life, going through kind of my halftime, um, life had given me a very unique story of great success followed by failure and tragedy, which then led to more enlightenment mm -hmm. and success. And that this was something that I really had an obligation and in a sense almost a burden, I feel, to share with other people. Um, and share these life lessons to those that are willing to listen and learn. Um, and that's what really got me impassioned with the idea of becoming a leadership team coach um, and working as an EOS implementer. And I get to now spend between 160 and 170 full days every year uh, working with uh, 30 to 32 organizations at any given time, uh, helping them systemize their businesses and ultimately run better businesses. Well, that, that's quite a... Uh I mean, that, that, that's quite a client load. I, I, uh, it's over 30. Wow. I mean, and, and the number of session days. So you're still very busy. Um, but yeah, so let, let's, dive, let's dive into that in terms of running, running the businesses better. So one of the things that you've yeah. said um, last time we, you know, we spoke uh, offline was, uh, was that, um, um, you know, was that there's, was that there's two, two primary problems that businesses have that are holding them back. Um, so if you can, uh, tell me a little bit about what, what those two problems are and why they're so persistent. Sure. Um, so I, I literally, when I have a warm conversation, first time I'm really talking to somebody, I start trying to lay the framework or the foundation that 97% of the issues we face in business are either a people issue or they're a process issue. And I really believe that that almost every single issue we run into at its root boils down to one of mm -hmm. those two things. And if we, if we look at people issues first, they typically fit into two categories. It's either a culture and values alignment issue, so either they are mm -hmm. or they're not, uh, and it's a skill set alignment. And so when we have people in the company who either don't fit the values and culture or don't have the skill sets necessary for their job, to, to perform their job well, we've got a people mm -hmm. issue. Um, so if you, if you remove the culture and values alignment and say we have people who are aligned around cultures and values, 
but they are still underperforming in their mm -hmm. job. If we don't have well-defined, optimized, and documented processes that have been simplified and built into a training system that works, then how can we truly know why they're mm -hmm. underperforming? So the, the idea there is that until you have well-defined, documented, optimized, consistently trained and followed processes for your people, barring a culture or values issue, how can you really tell if they have the skills or not to do their job because we may be failing to give them a very critical tool they need in order to right. be successful. Right. It might not right. It might not be it might not be the issue is them. You know, sometimes the, the founder may think may think it is or suspect that it is, but but you don't necessarily know uh, because they don't necessarily even have the tools to do their job or there's not really even a good way of having the job be done. Um, so you can't just rely right. on them to work around that um, alone. Right. I mean, an analogy I often uh, um, will give people is imagine uh, running, a, running a college or professional football team and recruiting and bringing in a handful of great players, putting them out on the field with no playbook hmm. and expecting them to be successful. Right. Well, so, so, so then the, the question, I guess, so then the next question is, why is process, you know, having, as you said, a, a documented process that people are trained on, know how to do, and are followed by everybody. So why is that, you know, it's one of the two biggest problems in businesses. Why is that such a persistent challenge? Why is that such a big thing? Why is it so hard to solve? So it's, that's a great point, uh, a great question, rather. I struggled with this early on as an implementer uh, because my clients would agree and, and accept that a lack of systemization and a lack of process was part of what was mm -hmm. holding them back, but they would procrastinate and they were reluctant to tackle that. And so as I kept pushing and prodding and, and, and asking and, and sometimes angrily and very frustratedly <laughs> so, what I started to uncover was that the, the two biggest roots of resistance for it are one, it felt like such a big undertaking that all of the fires of the day were a higher priority. Right. And so it was something that they would continue to procrastinate on. And the irony in that is that most of the fires they're fighting would be eliminated if they would take right. time to develop better processes. And so the salute, they avoid the solution to the short-term pain because they won't stop focusing just on the short-term pain. And so that was, that was one of the biggest pieces of resistance. The second is that I often find, especially in smaller entrepreneurial organizations, mm -hmm. they don't have someone who is really process-minded uh, and understands process at least to a level that they can really be the champion of it and the driver of it. And so those are the two biggest common denominators I found in companies I worked with who were resistant to doing the actual work to get their processes defined, documented, and followed right. by all. Well, and, you know, and I want to, I definitely want to get to, you know, to this process optimizer, uh, you know, system and method mm -hmm. that you, that you developed and, and that you have people executing. Um, as I want to get to that, but before I do, I want to think about those people who, you know, maybe they can't or for whatever reason it's not, it's not right for them to bring somebody from the outside to help them document and, and get trained specifically on, 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 on documenting and getting their processes up and running. 
and being executed reliably the right way every time. But uh, if somebody is going to want to want to think about, okay, what can I learn from Michael today on how how we could do this ourselves or how I could do this myself uh, in terms of fixing my processes, my business's processes, um, what, what, what do you advise people in terms of how to go about fixing their processes themselves? Yeah, great question. So with that, really it doesn't matter if it's a one or two person company or a several hundred person company, the process at a high level is really the same. And as you're familiar, within the EOS system, we teach a tool called the three-step process sure. documenter. And in essence, what we want to do is, is start with, um, and again, this, this, this can be a single-person company, um, start with understanding what your core processes are. And when we talk about process, we're not talking procedure. And so I want to just create clarity Please. in that pro process is high-level kind of following the Pareto principle, the 20-80 rule that 20% that of our efforts yield 80% of mm. our results. Um, when I talk about procedural things, or if I use the word procedure, I'm really talking more, think ISO 9000 companies and the thousands of pages of documentation where they document 100% of 100% mm. of what they do, and they put all of that information on a shelf, they get a, cert a certification mm -hmm. status, but they, won't, they don't really use any of that data because the documents are too cumbersome. So we're really thinking about a higher level, uh, sometimes we refer to it as a franchise prototype. Um, I've also referred to it as a detailed table of contents to that ISO 9000 huge mm -hmm. document. Um, so the idea here is, is <clears throat> that every organization, no matter what you do, has a handful of core processes. We have some sort of a people process. There's some way that we recruit people into the company, we onboard them, uh, we, we train mm -hmm. them, we continue to educate them, we review them, um, we terminate, we take people through retirement, whatever that is, but that if you think about that people process, whether you call it HR, call it people, uh, call it team process, whatever that is, if you think of it in a linear fashion, there is a start to that process and there is an end to that process and there are a series of steps or, or major components in between. And so the idea of creating a core process would be that you identify what those major steps are and then you document in bullet point or outline fashion the subpoints inside of each of those. And so every organization has that people mm -hmm. process. There's a marketing process by which you're, you're um, you're generating leads, you're creating interest and awareness uh, in who you are as a company. There's some sort of a sales process, some people call it client onboarding, some call it engagement, um, but where you're converting those leads into actual clients or customers. And then once you've created a customer or a client, there is something you have to fulfill, deliver, right. make, and that's those are your operations processes. And so how do we then do that once we have a customer? What do we call those processes? At the end of that, we end up invoicing for something and we end up getting paid and that creates reporting and, and cash flow, uh, cash management processes, mm -hmm. things like that. Those are all part of finance processes. Um, and then most organizations have some sort of a customer service or client retention type process. So we're really only talking about those handful of core processes and I don't wanna get people's heads locked into a range. Um, but I do typically get asked, well, like how many 
do, you, do we typically have? And I, I usually find somewhere between six and 10 mm -hmm. or 11, um, depending on the complexity of the organization, if you really stay at a high level. So the first step is to really define for your organization, what are our handful of core processes right. that make our business work? What do we call them using our own vernacular? And who in the company is the owner of or ultimately accountable for each of these processes based on the team or the, the department within the organization that they mm -hmm. lead? So that's the first step is just getting that documented, writing down that list, assigning ownership to each of those core processes. And then the next step is that the individuals would take their core process or processes. And the way, the way we do this with process uh, optimizer and the way that I encourage people to do it is, let's say for example, you own the operations process. You would take a handful of your key okay. team members and lock yourselves in a room for, give yourselves two to three hours and whether you're whiteboarding or using post-it notes or whatever the format is that you want to aggregate the information, start with what triggers your process. So if you're in operations, what causes you to do something? In most cases, we get a purchase order from a, from a client or customer. Um, so there's some handoff from the sales team that we now have something we have to go do. So we define exactly what that trigger is, get clear on who the trigger comes from, um, and if it is a purchase order, go into what is the information that you need in operations on that purchase order every single time to consistently start your operations process mm -hmm. correctly. I, I'm blown away by how many times I find just something as simple as that. Companies often have their template for a purchase order and they have sales team members who rarely submit it 100% mm -hmm. complete which creates issues downstream right. for operations. So that's the first right. So that's the first opportunity to, to optimize a process, which is part of where our name process optimizer came from. But let's make that better <clears throat> and then really define and document how that should work every time. Once we have that purchase order in hand, it's been verified, what's the next step? And then what's the next step? And kind of with your team, work through each of the steps in your process until you get to the point of fulfilling, delivering your product or service, and it's now time to give something to finance for invoicing. And so just really taking time to work through every one of those steps and keep asking, so what's the next thing we do? Why do we do it that way? What are the issues that come up in that step of the process? And so you're just constantly trying to smoke out issues and improve that process, get it documented, get it written down. And that's essentially what you wanna build for each of the core processes. And so in the organization, if you're doing this yourself, you've now done this for operations with a handful of your key employees and you've got your rough draft of our operations mm -hmm. process. Um, rule of thumb, these are usually two to five page okay. outlines per process. Um, right, so it's if not, it's, not too if scary. it's much less, in other words. right, exactly. And so that's the thing is it's, people have to get past the, the, the the mental block or the head trash that, you know, I've got to create some huge cumbersome document. It's not that. Um, and so <clears throat> once you've created that draft, you now have something that your entire operations team has not seen, only a handful of, of your key players have. So the, the next step that I like to teach people to do is to take that document 
and in draft form share it now with everybody inside of operations down to you know machine mm -hmm. operators or you know from, from top to bottom within your operations team let everybody spend a little bit of time reviewing that allow them to make notes you know suggest edits and then come back and kind of have an all hands type meeting where you just get all of the information out of the team. How can we make those final revisions to really dial in and perfect this process? What suggestions make sense to implement, what don't? And then move that to a final form and start training everyone in the organization who's accountable for anything in operations to those processes to consistently follow them uh, every day. Okay, it's, I mean that's fantastic. So I, I hear I'm getting you know more of a more of a picture in my mind of what that looks like. Um, now I guess I'm also curious, and I, you know, before we, we run out of time, I want to get I want to get to this also. But now with Process Optimizer, you know, let's say I do have the the ability, or maybe I'm not sure I have someone to really champion this. Um, you know, and I want to bring in somebody like like your company, Process Optimizer. So what what does that look like? You know, what does it look like that well, your proven process, as they say in the marketing plan, you know, section of the uh, of the OS. So, what is what what is your process with your clients and how you help them uh, document their processes, and then I, I assume assist them in, the, in in ensuring that they have that process. Right, you have a process for making that process followed by all. Yeah. No. Thank you. Um. So. My business partner and I, Heidi Berger, um, who created this, uh, she's also an EOS implementer, Lean Greenbelt, um, and has, has had an extensive career in history working in, in Lean Six Actually, Sigma. Actually, Lean Six Sigma, um, if you don't mind, just like uh, take a little tangent for a second. What is Lean? What is that belt? What, what, is it, what are those terms you're, you just used? So it's, it's essentially a, a, a process um, and a certification around business improvement, business process improvement, um, and measurables around processes and systemization. Um, there's, there are lots of different tangents and offshoots to it, but what we focus on are specifically lean principles um, within process optimization. And so when somebody um, reaches out to us to engage in a conversation to see if this will be a mm -hmm. good fit, we, we start with a discovery call and we get them paired with one of our certified process optimizers. So what we do is when Heidi and I decided that we had, had really gotten this dialed in, we'd spent about two years building and perfecting this model, we decided to now start bringing in additional facilitators. So all of our facilitators are a minimum Lean Six Sigma Green Belt certification, which is one of the, one of the certification levels within Lean that requires them to learn specific skill sets of facilitation and process mm -hmm. optimization that, that add value on top of what EOS okay. teaches. Um, so it's a, it's a value add by engaging people with that background. And so <clears throat> one of our process optimizers will get on a discovery call. Uh, often it's a conference call with the entire leadership mm -hmm. team. And we really just wanna work to get their handful of core processes named and verify who on the leadership team owns each of those processes. So that's kind of the first, the first step. So we get them clear on that, and then we, we follow up with just an agenda building call where we build out the agenda for what's really the, the meat of what we do. And it's a two-day on-site workshop. So we currently have 
facilitators in Phoenix, Denver, Omaha, and in North Carolina. So we're geographically dispersed mm -hmm. across the country. Uh, and we'll be continuing to add facilitators over the next few years. <clears throat> but one of our facilitators will come to the client and the client will dedicate a space for us to go through a series of workshops. And so over these two days, our facilitator will work with each of those teams that I described earlier to do all of the mapping of their processes. And so what we do is with post-it notes, literally we're extracting all of the process steps from the people in the room, but using, using lean skill sets, which are what the certified process optimizers bring as additional value is they have a, they have a skill set to ask certain questions and really probe for where the frustrations and they call it vibrations are within your process. Where are things not well synced? Where are things out of balance? Where, do, where are problems coming from? And helping clients solve those on the fly within these one and a half to two hour breakout sessions by process. And so these are getting mapped out. <clears throat> Anything that we uncover that's an issue that can't be quickly solved in that workshop goes on an issues list. So these are typically companies, I would say 80% of the companies we work with are already using EOS and they just need this as an accelerant right. to, get, to get the process component strengthened. <clears throat> and so we're helping them build an issues list. The team can take it back to their level 10 meetings or their weekly meetings to start solving um, because we just don't have time in the room to, to solve right. every issue. So at the end of those one and a half to two hour breakout sessions, right. that particular process is mapped. It's up on the wall, different colored post-it notes, breaking out all the steps. Next team comes in, we go through the same process. We do that for all the teams over the two day period. And at the end of that two-day period, you can literally stand in the room and see everything mapped out around the room in terms of your entire mm -hmm. business. Our facilitators then take all of that data, and there's a system we use to code each of the post-it notes to keep them mm -hmm. in the right order. Um, they take all of that data back to the office and within seven calendar days deliver the core processes document to the franchise prototype. So what we do is we take what most organizations will spend somewhere between nine and 12 months mm -hmm. getting done, and we get it done for them in nine wow. days. Okay. And so what that does is it gets them much more quickly to recognize the value of having their processes done. We also then schedule a minimum of three follow-up coaching calls to work with them through the processes required to begin um, revising and finalizing that document, which is going back to the teams and really testing it before you revise and implement the final uh, mm -hmm. revisions. And also making sure that they're going through the coaching and building out the measurables and scorecards they need in order to ensure that they're followed right. by all. Because we typically find there are three things that you want to measure for that once you have your processes done, you can more easily measure. And those three things are frequency of steps within a process. There may be something that has to be done with a certain frequency mm -hmm. or cadence. So we can create a measurable around that. Uh, it could be a measurable for compliance. Um, so we can create measurables to ensure that a step or a portion of a process is being consistently followed. And then the third is the results. And so if we're, if we're not seeing the results that we expect, but everything is being followed with the right frequency and um, going through the steps properly, then 
we know that there's something wrong inside the process that needs to be further improved because it's not generating right. the right results. And so we help them get the scorecards in place, get the measurables in place. That's another part of what we do. Um, and so that's really what this is. So we get the work done for them. Um, we do the heavy lifting for them and we get it done in nine days rather than nine to 12 right. months. We do in terms of the followed by all component also have for companies that are interested and we're finding about 60 to 70% right now are, are doing this. We have a learning management system called the Process Optimizer mm -hmm. app, which, um, which allows us to house the core processes document. It's in a cloud-based platform, um, but it also allows the client to then upload and embed video content, photos, PDFs, as well as a library for other documents like employee handbooks, more detailed procedural documents. Um, within this learning management system, they can assign users, they can track the user's, user's progress in studying the processes, and most importantly, they can create multiple choice tests to validate that their employees mm. understand the processes that they're accountable to follow. And so that's been a very popular subscription model at the end of this. Um, so clients have the option to either, they, they want the document and they'll have their own um, system for storing and training right. uh, that information, or they'll sign up for the Process Optimizer app. And that covers um, training and, and we will Correct, and we will actually, if they choose that, we will upload all of the data, all of, all of the initial process data into the app for them so they don't have to mm -hmm. do that. So we really are trying to, to just make it as easy as possible and take all of the work off of the client so that they can focus on running the business while we help provide them this foundational uh, structure. Well, I mean, it's, it sounds fascinating, and I, I you know, I see how that, I see how that, if you know, if they choose to, to, to use you guys or somebody, you know, if there's anything similar, to uh, to solve the issue of you know of the bandwidth and championing and and kind of overcoming that major hurdle that just gets that to to not be you know to, to not get executed enough of the time for people. So definitely I definitely see the value in that and, and but but really appreciate the value you also shared in terms of advice and wa walking us through the steps uh, that you know that that we that that entrepreneurs out there can take in terms of. Documenting the processes in the right way, and when I say the right way, that kind of entrepreneurial method of the 20-80 approach, documenting the 20% of the steps to get you 80% of the results, um, and a way and a way of going yeah. about doing that. So I think that's really helpful. And yeah, and you know, as you speak about value, I want to share just kind of one quick story because I do find that people often don't really fully appreciate the value of having their process component strong. Uh, until okay. they get there. And so there's, there's one client that we worked with that was suffering. They had, they had poor client satisfaction. Um, they had a lot of churn, so their, their sales were generating lots of good new business, but they were losing clients at such a rate that they weren't growing the business, even though they were doing a good job of bringing in new business. And so right. when they brought us in to help, as we were working specifically through their client retention process inside of their operations, we helped them discover that their account managers had very loose and very poorly defined processes to follow in terms of engaging existing mm -hmm. clients and doing so in a way that would smoke out issues before their clients had time to get mm -hmm. frustrated. And as a result, the account managers team, they were kind of all doing things their own way and the results were very inconsistent and not at all scalable. And so as we worked through 
that in their business they called it their client service and retention mm -hmm. process. Um, we were able to facilitate dialogue with the team around what was working, what wasn't working, who was doing certain steps and things well, and we were able to solve for gaps and weaknesses in the process that helped them develop a really well-defined and optimized way of communicating with their existing clients on a regular but not overbearing um, cadence that allowed them to stay in front of issues and resolve issues quickly where they did come up. And what was so fascinating was we checked back in with them a little over a year following our work and after our coaching calls and, and getting these right. steps followed. Right. And what they reported was that in the 12 months following our work with them, they had an 87% reduction in client attrition, wow. which allowed them to grow their revenue that year by 30, almost 30%. And that equated to roughly a million dollars in additional wow. revenue. And, and so taking the math further, <clears throat> It was the first year they had seen measurable revenue growth in three years because they finally solved the right. The All this money was going problem. out the window. All this money was going out the window. Right, and at a fifty-five percent gross margin, which was their standard margin, that million dollars generated five hundred and fifty thousand dollars of value in just the first wow. year. Right, they they found that they found that linchpin that was broken that by solving that, by fixing that, generated significant value, which will only continue to go up exponentially right. as they grow the business going forward. Well, it's amazing. And, you know, it, it just it does just go to show how, how critical having good processes is and having and, and getting it followed. Um, so I hope I hope that that emphasis and that, you know, and that and that emotional learning and that emotional impact, hopefully that that has and also that, you know, the story of of uh that you told earlier and all the pain that you went through um you know not having good processes for you know even even for just things like operating the business generally like with the with with the eos and then looking at objective data um and uh you know and just th throwing away like uh, tons of money <laughs> like I, it's just unbelievable yeah i mean you're getting all these clients and then you're losing them so like it's so much effort and then uh and so much of it goes to waste so super powerful and uh, I, ho I hope that it does really emphasize and uh, bring bring it down to earth for people, uh, the importance of it. And, uh, you know, hopefully people can, uh, you know, execute that in their own businesses or find a way to do that. Contact, uh, you know, you can always contact me, contact Michael for EOS Implementer, help or recommendations for somebody local to them. And, um, you know, and certainly contact you or at the tractionhub.com. Uh, in terms of uh, help, they do want help in, in documenting their processes with the process optimizer. Um, so just super helpful. So thank you so much for everything that you shared today, Michael. Thank you so much for everything that you shared today. Yeah, no, I appreciate it very much. If people want to go directly to the process optimizer website without going okay. through my other website, um, okay. the URL is just processoptimizer.biz, B-I-Z. Um, they can see testimonials from other companies mm -hmm. that have, have used it. Uh, they can see testimonials from other EOS implementers who have referred us and the value right. for them as an implementer uh, in right. bringing us in with clients. Um, there's direct links to learn more about the Process Optimizer app, the learning management software, as well as um, more information about the workshop itself. So all of it's there, processoptimizer.biz, and there's a contact button on there. You can click that. It'll put you directly in touch with me. And uh, we'll, Perfect. we'll so take the process it from there. Optimizer.biz or the tractionhub.com. And uh, thank you so much, Michael. I appreciate you coming on. So much, Michael. I appreciate you coming on. All right, Ben. Enjoyed so it very much. Take care. Bye. Thanks so much. See everybody else on the other side.
You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.